Welcome back to the Knit British Podcast, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British, love local wool. Hello and welcome into episode 105 of the Knit British podcast. Um, A big welcome to you if you're joining us for the first time and also if you are a returning listener, it's lovely to have you around. Thank you very much for the feedback from the last episode. Lots of you laughing along with me and the sheeping forecast. Uh, What a giggle. Um, If you haven't listened, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Um, You'll just have to go back to episode 104. Um, But yeah, that was really funny. Um, I'll try and keep my composure this time, but I can't promise anything. This episode, we are going to be looking at Teeswater in our wool exploration. We've got a treat uh, for future wool explorers with a giveaway of TJ Frog Dorset Yarns. First up though, are you in Fine Fettle? Fine Fettle obviously refers to my next piece from Fine Fettle Fibres and the new yarn that um, Judith's launched, Northumbrian Rose. Um, but also I've been thinking about these words this week because the week of writing this I'm not sure when this will go out So, um, but the week of writing this podcast um, it's Mental Health Awareness Week and fine fettle for anybody who doesn't know sort of means good health, good spirits and I just have been sort of mulling on those words this week um, and you know it's okay when we're not in fine fettle of mind, body and spirit. I know lots of us in the Knit British community know what that's like. And many of us have had to face the stigmas of having poor mental health. Um, Mental Health Awareness Week is every week for lots of us, but this online campaign encourages discussion and looks to reduce stigma and it's really been heartening and helpful to see so many people sharing their stories and experiences on social media and I know how hard that is to share Um, so thank you Um, reducing stigma about mental health um, is so 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 important making ourselves heard and understood is vital we need mental health awareness all the time in the home in the workplace in the world at large because mental health is invisible um, and people who suffer from poor mental health are made to feel invisible and I really, really hope that changes soon and you know we do what we can um, to share and talk, try and make ourselves understood and make people understand what it's like to live with depression, anxiety, stress, whatever you know affects your mental health because it's not just one thing it's a myriad of things and talking about these things and being more open about them leads to hopefully clearer understanding if you have a broken arm or if you use crutches or if you you know have something that is totally visible perceptions and and understanding can be different to if you have something that you can't see those of us who have issues and disorders that you can't see seem to be 
um, the stigma and the misunderstanding seems to be greater from all levels um, of society, particularly uh, government and welfare, uh, when it comes to government and welfare rights and things like that. Um, so I really do hope things will change. Um, I read a poem by Rupi Kaur uh, this week that I feel sums up mental health awareness um, and hope that it you know, rings true for, for most of us in terms of support. <clears throat> when the world comes crashing at your feet, it's okay to let others help pick up the pieces. If we're present to take part in your happiness, when your circumstances are great, we are more than capable of sharing your pain. I share your pain and I get it. And I know that lots of people in the Knit British community share it and get it too. A few weeks ago, I went to Felton in Northumberland to find Fettel Fibres, the wonderful shop which belongs to Judith Goodfellow, who has created a really wonderful yarn in collaboration with Lindsay Roberts, who is the dyer behind the Border Tart, designer Stella Ackroyd, and it's made at the Border Mill, creating a yarn that is 35% Northumbrian alpaca, and 25% Northumbrian BFL and 40% rose fibre and it's available in eight amazing shades all dyed by Lindsay and several beautiful designs by Stella and Judith. The launch was on the 28th of April and I was asked along um, to interview Stella, Lindsay, Judith and also Franja of Dean Byrne Meadows Yarn um, who sourced the BFL for this for this particular yarn. Um, I'm going to play that interview for you now so you can hear more about this lovely yarn and more importantly the amazing collaboration and work that went into creating it. Um, I was going to play the entire thing but sadly there is some mobile interference and it's almost all the way throughout uh, but I've edited around it where it is really not listenable um, but it's particularly bad around uh, Stella Ackroyd's piece so I might um, preface uh, her edited bit a little but hopefully I have lessened it in other places so that you can enjoy being a little part of that gathering too. Anywho, you still get to hear uh, from these four amazing ladies too and um, without any further ado, here we go. So I think, Judith, we'll maybe start with you. Can you talk a little bit about how how this, how this yarn came about? What was the driving force? Where did the ideas come from? I think for me, um, it was a natural progression from having a shop full of fabulous yarn um, to want to, in some sense, complete the circle and actually be involved in production of yarn. Um, I, I have another job. I mean, my shop is only open three days a week and I have another job that's, that's not connected with wool. But it does take place um, in, uh, in a rural environment where there is a field of alpacas right next to me. And I was um, aware that the alpacas had been fleeced. Uh, I could see, you know, they'd been sheen, uh, shorn. And um, I just wanted to um, know what had happened to the, to the fleece. I made inquiries and um, 
discovered that it was just sitting in a barn. Um, and I think we can do better than that. Um, so anyway, long story short, I got my hands on the, the fleece and uh, thought, well, that's a good start, but actually I want something with some sheep in it. So uh, Stella and Lindsay and myself went up to the border mill and had a chat with um, Juliet and um, she sort of, I, I sort of said, well, yeah, maybe some Shetland. And she threw up her hands in horror and said, no, don't give me Shetland. To, to, you know, it just doesn't work on our machines. Um, it's got to be something, you know, much more lustrous than that. So, um, okay, well, BFL then. And um, gave me the name of somebody who um, had a, a flock of, of, of blue-faced Leicester sheep and um, had supplied them in the past. Um, I rang this person. They said, oh, yeah, but we don't really look after the sheep ourselves. Um, and gave me the name of, of, um, of the person who did, who turned out to be Franja, whose yarn I already stock in the shop. So I thought, okay, well, that's good. Um, <laughs> Hello, Franja. <laughs> Can you get me some BFL, please? Um, so, uh, you know, Franja was just great. You know, she, she, she supplied me with what I needed and, um, and it all came together. Um, Juliet's other suggestion was that, you know, that we blended it with, with something, um, some plant fibres, um, to get that kind of sort of lustrous yarn that we were talking about. Um, and it was Juliet who suggested the rose. I had never heard of putting rose in fibre in, in yarn, um, but we saw it in its raw state. We liked it. Um, Stella took away a sample and did some knitting with it, and we thought, let's give it a go. You know, we like the idea, so why not? Point of difference. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we got to, really. And... and the border mill were incredibly helpful. We, we got the spinning done faster than we had anticipated, um, and it went on from there, really. And you said that um, you and, and Stella and Lindsay all went together. So did you, had you thought already that you guys wanted to collaborate on something? Mm. Yes, we had. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not a spinner, I'm not a dyer. Um, so, you know, I knew that if I produced a yarn, somebody was going to have to turn it into a different colour. Um, I mean, the, 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 natural, the natural yarn that we ended up with was, was beautiful, but it, it was the colour of porridge. And, you know, there's only so much porridge you want to wear. Um, so, um, you know, I, also, I already knew um, Lindsay, and uh, she was the obvious person to, to approach to... Um, deal with this consignment of <laughs> raw yarn so um you know that that's that was, to me it was just the obvious connection mm -hmm. and then you went to the border mill and then they connected you with someone that you had already had yeah, I mean, it was with. just you know it was just lovely because it was it, relationships that already existed that were just strengthened and you know we just all get on well together and it was just a joy to work with people that you know I've already known and already had some experience of working with but it just took us all a step further really and that was great. great. We should say the other person that, um, is Eileen who has yes. the, the alpaca. The alpacas yes um, so Eileen, Eileen was the starting point really you know she was very very keen and very willing that somebody local do something with her prize-winning fleece. So, um, you know, she was, she was great. Let's talk a little bit about the sheep, Franja. You keep the flock. The flock is actually on a local farm. Okay. I've brought a Shetland. Oh! <laughs> also the most beautiful fleece. Yes! That's our Stella. Well, do you want to talk about the, the BFL, the yes. more content in this year? And yes. This is from a local farm, sort of in the same village that I live in. Um, and the 
the Liffetlester sheep has a long, lustrous um, fleece on it. Um, it's quite a, a strong fleece as well, a strong staple. Um, and it's quite um, popular for next to skin because it's really soft yarn. So it's a really popular, popular yarn. Um, and uh, it's also lustrous, which yeah. blends in with both mm -hmm. the alpaca and the rug, I think. Yeah. Um, so and you, you sort it yourself? Yes. Yeah. You, you shear as well? I do shear my own sheep, yeah. but the lessers on the farm get commercially sheared with, with the clippers. It's usually around July. Um, and I go on for the whole day rolling yeah. fleeces and, and that means that I actually handle all the fleeces and sort which ones um, go to me and which ones go to me. <laughs> <laughs> keep, all, keep all the good ones for yourself. The <laughs> They're usually the, the, the first year, so the youngest stock. Okay. So I get the pick of the... And that means that they're, they're sort of the softest because they've never been shorn, so the, the tip has never been blunted by, mm -hmm. by the shears, whereas the older ewes get clipped again, then the tips have been... So it's the shearling fleece that's yeah. in this yarn, that's yeah. even more special. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and I've spent a whole deal day in a stuffy shed with men who shout and and pick them and um, so make sure that the the first um, debris got off, got off it. Yeah. Um, so um, and yeah, I go don't, into. I don't know if people sometimes understand the work that goes into exactly. It. It's it's yeah. messy and it you know it comes off the sheep that that might have been out lying in poo and um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so weed upon, so, so so yeah. all sorts of stuff. So yeah, the, the, I, I get two minutes, because it takes about two minutes to clip one of the sheep, so I get two minutes to quickly shake the fleece out and take the, the first rubbish off. It goes into my bag, and then when I come home, I've got to lay them all out on a nice day, air them, dry them, and skirt through them again and get most of the, the rubbish out. Um, and select which ones you know may not be good, or even cool bits that have maybe felted a bit mm -hmm. and off it the rough bits, and then weigh them and label them um, so they don't know exactly what's in each bag, and that they're in, in good condition. And um, I often put a little bit of um, a little sachet of lavender or something, you know, and make sure that they're tied in a bag that breathes, but that no vermin can get in. Moths. Storage is important, and moths. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Stored until uh, yeah, somebody comes it. <laughs> <laughs> the other part, of course, is this incredible rose fibre. And be, do we know much about how we get fibre from from roses? What the the process is? Um, yeah, I mean it's um, a recycled product from the flower industry. Um, it's not. It's not. Done in, the recycling isn't done in Britain, unfortunately. There isn't any, any supplier here, so it is imported. But um, it's one of the regenerated plant fibres. So uh, it's different in some respects from things like cotton and linen, where the fibres are actually extracted from the, the plant itself. Um, with rose, it's like bamboo. It's, it's um, broken down um, and the cellulose is extracted and then that is spun into a fibre. Um, but it's done in such a way that it's, um, it is quite environmentally friendly. All the, all the water and the chemicals that are used in the processing um, are recycled as well. So um, it's, you know, it, it is quite a, um, a product that I'm happy with from an environmental point of view. It's yeah. a great, I, mean, the, I mean, we all know that the BFL is lustrous, but the shine, I mean, you really can see that it's, it's so shiny. And I can remember being at the Border Mill a couple of years ago and seeing... Um, a throw that Judith had woven from just rose fibre, and it was like it, it was like crushed pearls or something like that. Such a lustrous mm. fibre and so soft. 
And you just wonder how you get something knitable out of mm. roses. <laughs> it's an incredible thing. You know, you've created this unique yarn, and from the outset it seems that you've decided that we need a distinct colour palette and incredible designs to go with it. So, Lindsay, can I ask you about dyeing this yarn? But maybe first, as a way of an introduction, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about, about yourself and about your business? Thank you. Okay, yes, I trade as the Border Tart, which is memorable, it's not particularly attractive. <laughs> it has stuck. And I have produced a lot of things in my time, generally textile or paper-based, but um, I was really drawn to Indigo after having the opportunity to be in India. And I have just allowed myself to continue in that vein, um, producing dyeing anything almost that I can in indigo, which which allows lots of people to, to, to play at whatever level, whether they're spinners or uh, stitchers or knitters or whatever, felters. And that's challenging in itself because of using indigo and so there's no such thing as batches and, and all the rest of it. But I did carry on and explore over dyeing some of it so that I increased the colour range that I had so that even when you see my coloured yarns they've still indigo underneath by and large so that there's a little bluey tinge to them which depending on what they've been over dyed with comes through as well and that keeps me happy because I can pretend it's still blue <laughs> and, um, and therefore sometimes I dye pink but it's only my version <laughs> that's all yeah. so I had already been using some acid dyes clearly in doing that so having the opportunity with this new yarn mm. um, to explore that further and not do indigo uh, was, <laughs> was was good fun and and we we did talk about the, the colours that that appealed and as Judith says the the, the original yarn is not a particularly appealing uh, colour um, but but because it's not pristine white it actually lends itself really well to to picking up colour from dye so that there's still a a degree of heatheriness to it and because of the, the mixture of plant fibre and animal fibre in it they're all taking the dye slightly differently so you do get a lovely depth to the to the shades it's gorgeous. so that's what's been fun about dyeing this I think particularly how many colours are there all together? Eight. Eight. Mm. And yeah. yeah did you you said you talked about the kind of colours that you were interested in did you um, you know, take an inspiration from anywhere in particular, um, or did you? I think we went with the colours that we liked. Yeah, we? yeah. And I the think names lent themselves. Did you? The, yes, colours. I was going to ask about the yeah. names because the names are great. Did you have those sort of in mind first, or did you? No, we, we well, it kind of started with me sitting down with a sheet of A3 paper and a, mag a pile of magazines and a pair of scissors, and I just snipped out bits of coloured paper and stuck them on until we ended up with 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 colours, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> And then folded it up, stuck it in an envelope, and posted it to Lindsay. Um, <laughs> 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 this. I disposed of that. Not quite, but but yeah. And then you you dyed some options. <coughs> I dyed some options, yeah. and then and, and, and so we we kind of brought them back to the to, to the three of us and considered which which went with what. Yeah. Uh, and then once we'd made our selection, we just sat them on the table and just sort of brainstormed names really, and um, that's what we ended up with. Because the very local flavour. Yeah. To the names oh, as yes. well, yeah. yeah. They're, they're great. Yeah. Has everyone had a look at the different names? I think mm. they're fantastic. Uh, I'm going to preface Stella a little bit by saying that she has designed some incredible patterns for this 
yarn, including the Nanook Cowl and Mitts, which the stitch definition is just incredible. Some of our earlier uh, designs, the Bronte shawl and I think the Cornflower shawl have also been um, sort of recreated in this beautiful, shiny, lustrous yarn and they just look incredible. And you can find Stella's designs um, at Ravelry.com where she is sea uh, knitting, but you'll find her by searching Stella at Croyd and um, you'll also find the printed patterns on the Fine Fettle Fibres website which is www.finefettlefibres.uk I love knitting with this yarn, it's quite strong I think um, for such a delicate palette and delicate designs the yarn didn't snap once whilst I was knitting it it was quite robust, um, no slubs and I liked the amount of luster there was without having full-on shininess that is a bit too glinty. I just felt that it was worth designing for and with. It, we got a nice result and nice garments. I particularly like making the mittens, which are quite nifty, aren't they, Judith made those as well. Um, and it, it was just really fun to see designs coming to life in this yarn and see how the designs evolved throughout the process. And did it sort of call out to be used in any particular, you know, do you think lace straight away or did you think? Well we wanted something quite Northumbrian, sort of Scottish borderish. so traditional lace patterns always work well. They're suitable to wear around here, um, classic, classy, um, nice to knit. You know I like to make designs that are easy to remember, intuitive, so I'm not trying to ask for water uphill and have somebody just throw it in a corner of my and say I can't do it. You know, I want people to be able to buy the yarn and make the pattern without trauma. You know, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than being there at nine o'clock at night thinking, who do I ask? You know? Um, I've been writing patterns now for 25 years. I started off at Rowan Yarns where I was it started off very simply. Somebody phoned up once and said, hey Stanley, we're getting lots of mistakes in patterns. I suppose you wouldn't mind looking at the scripts before they go to, to print. Well, I got three young girls at the time, and uh, any option to get out, any opportunity to get out of the house was great. But it turned out I was really quite good at it. I loved it. I was like, press the button, and you see a mistake. And, uh, and I said, oh, yeah, we'll offer you a job. Do you want to work from home or in the office? And uh, So I did both. I worked from the office when they are at school, and then during holidays at home and bit by bit I worked my way up in the design room to become head of design when Kathleen Hargreaves retired and then I went freelance, moved around a bit obviously because Rowan's in home first yeah. um, and started designing my own designs which I saw now on Ravelry. I like the fact that I am a, a knitter and I've gone through the wheels of pattern writing because when I'm starting to design I explained to Lindsay, sometimes you think, no, that's just not going to make sense in black and white on paper. So you can adapt things at the very initial garter stitch tab to make it the same result, but just make it easier to work mm -hmm. and uh, make the pattern more enjoyable to knit. So I'd like to think that most of my patterns you've noticed in lots of them are knittable. Yeah. 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 I think it's you know really great to have a, a, a yarn come out where there has been such emphasis on bringing out a really fantastic colour palette, not just one or two colours, and also 
fantastic the designs that aren't just for beginners. I think it's really good to think about actually, you know, that we're creating something for people who know what they want yeah. in terms of a yarn and, and are, there's more there's more choice and there's more yes and there's options in the pattern so for example the the lace cowl you can either knit it in the round if you're comfortable with that or you can knit it flat and seam it if you prefer and there's options for both um, variations on the pattern and if you are a slightly new knitter and see there's always something new to learn so the next time yes you try yeah. it with the different provisional cast on or you you go I tend to, the to next level. try patterns out of my daughter's uh, because well, one's in London, so you know she, she has to do it remotely, and uh, it's a good test whether you have any phone calls as to whether they understand it or not. <laughs> well, I do. I mean, I just think that it's really exciting that that you've done this in a really collaborative way, and mm -hmm. and then using you know not just British. I mean, this is this is local Northumbrian. Alpaca and Blueface Leicester, and what is it probably sourced to spun in about 150 miles, less than that, maybe? Less, less than that. Yeah, yeah, 100 miles, maybe less. Less than that. Yeah. I mean, you can't get any more local than that. I mean, that, that's, that's an incredible thing. And I just think that, you know, joining the dots like you've done and, and coming together, um, you know, you've, you've made something really, really special. So I suppose I want to ask, finally, how have you found this collaboration and will you be doing more? <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, I needed to see how how Northumbria and Rose went down with the with the knitting public, um, but um, having done all the the thinking and the developing, it would be a shame not to keep it going a bit longer. Yeah. Um, so so yes, but also, you know, it, it has given me an appetite for for developing yarn and um, experimenting with different fleeces, and I think you know, with us having. Uh, you heading up the wool exploration project, which I've been participating in, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Well. Um, you know the the qualities of the different fleeces. As I'm learning more about those, I'm thinking, okay, um, you know, maybe I could do something with this or blend it with that. And you know, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure there will be more yarn at some point. Um, and uh, you know, maybe it'll be more sheepy than this one is. Who knows? And how have you found the the collaboration? Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I just I loved working with uh, all the people involved in this project, and I just think, you know, to be able to, to produce something like this, there's no way that any one of us actually could have done this entirely on our own. You know, we could only do it collaboratively, and it has been such a joy to work with other people um, in, you know, in the woolly world um, and benefit from each other's experience. And uh, you know, that to me has got to be the highlight, um, and I would definitely want more of that. I really will keep saying it, collaborations and people like these women are the people who are making the most important steps in the UK world of wool and it's not happening commercially, it's just not, not on the same scale and it's indie all the way uh, and this yarn is a really great example of all that you, of all of that. Um, you can find this yarn at finefetalfibers.uk, finefetalfibers.uk um, and you can find such a lot of lovely, lovely British yarns as well as books and notions. And you should also visit the Border Tart, whose website is www.tartsart.co.uk. And I believe that she's just had a custom spin done, which if you're going to Leeds Woolfest, uh, next next week as I record this I think it's the 2nd of June then you are in for a treat 
Um, also, Stella Aykroyd's amazing designs are on Ravelry, as I said. And if you're interested in Dean Byrne Meadows yarn, which is uh, Flange's yarn, you'll find that yarn at Fine Feather Fibres, but you'll also find Dean Byrne Meadows on Facebook if you are into that kind of thing. Thank you so much to Judith for inviting me around to interview um, this incredible gathering of women and uh, for asking me to do a talk uh, and to everyone who came along and if you go over to the Ravelry group right now you can win two not one but two skeins of Northumbrian rose they are in the Cragside Rose colourway and the Madam Grass colourway sorry for the scuffling it's a four ply yarn and there is approximately 170 170 metres uh, in each 50 gram skein. So a skein to win for two lucky winners. And I am also going to throw in from myself uh, to each winner um, a copy of Stella Aykroyd's uh, Nanook Mitts um, because you can make a pair uh, with one skein. And um, I want you to be able to make something that was designed for this incredible yarn. So get on over to the Ravelry group uh, to find out how you can win those. And do remember to follow the rules. Thanks to those of you who were excited to hear about the another Nature Shades Along. Look out for a blog uh, about that before next month's episode, mid-June, late June, um, for more information on that. Uh, if you want to preempt that blog post, if you're heading to any yarn festival between now and then, you can have a think about the Nature Shades and um, what you want to make for the Nature Shades Along, which, like most Knit British Alongs, will be anything goes, as long as you can wear it. There, of course, is Leeds Wool Festival, which is on the 2nd of June at Armley Mills. I won't be going this year because there's too many other commitments happening in June, but hopefully it's going to be a great day and it's a fantastic venue, so I hope you enjoy yourself. And Wool Fest is on the 22nd and 23rd of June uh, in Cockermouth, Cumbria. Uh, check out the website I'll put links to both of those um, events in the show notes so yeah, I think if you're going to any of those events and you're planning on taking part in the Nature Shades Along, maybe those are great places to go and look for your natural yarns and your think about texture think about what you want that yarn to become Next up is wool exploration so this might be a good time to refill your cup or take a break if you need one Teeswater has been an interesting breed to explore as we quickly find out that there isn't a whole heap of pure teeswater yarn about. We had slightly less wool explorers this month, uh, not that there is any mandatory um, <laughs> minimum requirement or anything like that, and I thank those uh, explorers who were intrepid in seeking out some teeswater yarn. 
Roughly a quarter of us in the wool exploration used discontinued blacker yarn, which is also telling. Uh, blacker yarn don't produce a pure teaswater anymore. Their teaswater goes into Tamar, a yarn which is made up of a lot of rare breed long wools and actually, in my opinion, is more superior yarn than the teaswater that they used to produce, which was, I found, a bit splitty uh, and very lean for a double knit, um, as I'll go on to elaborate a bit later. So why do we think teaswater is not produced as yarn so much? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure it's something that we can answer soundly, but we can um, draw a few conclusions as we go on. It's hard to talk about teaswater without discussing long wool in general, long wool breeds in general, and the larger improvements which really started um, with Robert Bakewell in the mid-1700s and what grew from that uh, in terms of breed improvement. Uh, Bakewell's name is some something that comes up a lot in our wool exploration. I am not going to go into any detail today, but I think I will write a blog post on it um, because I think it's important to have that sort of background information. This month, my reading has been The Fleece and Fibre Sourcebook by Deb Robson and Carol Acarius, uh, Counting Sheep by Philip Walling and the Teaswater Breed Association websites of the UK and the US and I will put show notes, I'll put links in the show notes. Named after the River Tees, which runs from Crossfell in the Pennines to the North Sea, our Teaswater sheep today are thought to be descended from the long-wooled sheep that the Romans brought to the UK. Pre-breed improvement in the 18th century Teaswater were tall, lean, possibly the biggest sheep in the UK. Um, the fleece could weigh up to 24 pounds. Uh, but they were problematic because they needed the best pasture and they were a bit like cattle in that respect. And they they needed supplementary hay and corn to be able to see the winter through. Uh, and they weren't really meat sheep either. They were definitely definitely a wool flock and they weren't eaten until they had yielded the best wool that they could. With the age of breed improvement it was thought to try and make a better meatier sheep and they were crossed with Dishley Leicester rams in order to do this and a famous Dishley Leicester ram was Blue Cap uh, and he was much sought after for his breeding prowess and the lambs that he created were of a good size very fine wool um, the skin also featuring the blue and black markings um, of of the sire and and it's thought that that was the beginning of the teaswater as we know it today although there are other theories on that that we'll look at as we go along it was also through this joyous union with blue cap that we get the Wensleydale sheep uh, and that's thanks to Blue Cap and a Teaswater Yow. Anybody else confused by the two breeds? I am often confused by what is a Wensleydale and what is a Teaswater because they are very similar looking. Apparently, Wensleydale sheep are bigger and um, the skin is bluer and the Wensleydale carries more wool. You also get coloured Wensleydale which has been eradicated in the UK teaswater. And the teaswater, their head ringlets apparently don't cover their eyes as thickly as the Wensleydale. But I'm pretty sure if we were all walking past a field that had these sheep in it, we wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> I think possibly what is most 
distinguishable about them is that the Teeswater ha- seem to have that darker black, dark chocolate nose and panda eyes is quite prominent in the Teeswater. Anywho, uh, the Teeswater Breeders Association also have their theory on breed improvement, uh, which has made the Teeswater distinct. Um, by the 1920s, the Teeswater had declined. Uh, in the 30s and 40s, apparently a local farmer in Yorkshire would go around markets buying Gimmer yows, which had been produced by a Teeswater ram, but particularly those with the black and white face markings. It was thought that by breeding these um, particularly marked yows with Teeswater rams, it would strengthen those particular breed characteristics. So, um, hence why uh, the other reason for sort of improving the breed as we know it today. Today, the primary use of Teeswater is the sire of the Massam sheep. Um, and that is the primary, you know, that is noted as the primary use of this sheep. Crossing a Teeswater ram with a Dale's bread or a Swaledale yow, you get a Massam. And that is a similarly long-stapled fleece, um, as we know, creates a fantastic yarn, um, particularly becoming trendy now to uh, be hand-dyed, blended with BFL. Um, very, very nice. Not quite a white um, sheep like the Teeswater, more of an oatmeal colour. And what about the characteristics of the Teeswater? What can we expect from the fleece? Well, as I said, the fleece is heavy. Now it's close to five to six kilograms. And the staple can be as long as 38 centimetres for shearlings. Uh, And the micron count is 30 to 36. So we're edging into that larger fibre diameter. Remember, fleece that's thought to have a micron count over 30 is a fibre that is slightly less bendy against the skin uh, as, as we go into the larger diameter fibres they become slightly stiffer but I think as you'll see in this wool exploration that is not something that has affected the yarn uh, there is no Kemp in Teeswater yarn and no dark fibres in UK Teeswater yarn and to me they're they're you know they're such an interesting sheep both Teeswater and Wensleydale they just sort of look like massive stuffed footstools they're strict, almost rectangular in shape with these beautiful ringlets draped all over them um, they're incredible looking animals in America in 1996 Teeswater semen was imported and also Wensleydale too and this is a process called upbreeding uh, they inseminated other long wool yows and the offspring were then also inseminated with teeswater and this process was repeated and it's thought that the fifth generation of these sheep are 96% teeswater and so classified as American teeswater. But this kind of breeding is seen as a bit controversial as it also threatens other long wool sheep in America. so Lincolns, Leicesters and Cotswolds are the designated yows for upbreeding, but they are also a rare breed. So if you think about it, um, what is happening there is that um, these rare breed sheep are being used to create um, a sort of a distinct breed. Um, 
you know, I don't know about the breeding programmes for these other rare breed sheep in America, but I can see where their controversy lies. Um, also, flock book and breeders associations in UK would not classify these American teaswater as full teaswater, as breeding regulations are different over here. UK, UK teaswater are at risk on the Rare Breeds Survival Trust watch list and they are um, between 900 and 1500 breeding yows. They are also classified uh, as of concern on the RBST danger list which was compiled this year, just came out a few weeks ago. So really interesting one. Again, I'm not sure where all the teaswater fleece goes in the UK. I know that it is hugely prized by spinners and so perhaps hand spinners are buying it straight from source um, it's, you know, and prized for hand spinning. It's so lustrous, those locks are so incredibly long and beautiful and um, apparently this is a yarn that is resistant to felting although I'm not quite sure that all of our explorers um, find that. I know there was a bit of chat in the Knit British Ravelry group. I really enjoyed this wool exploration. I don't think there's a wool exploration I have enjoyed, but I've enjoyed this quite a lot. Um, it saw me revisit two previous Teaswater uh, swatches. I also spun some um, roving, Teaswater roving, and I knit um, small farm Teaswater. My, the two that I revisited, I had worsted spun Teaswater from uh, Chop Ginger, um, which I uh, reviewed on episode 50. Um, so you can go back and listen to that full, full review at the time. Um, I think it's about 28 minutes into that episode. Um, you can hear that review. I haven't just remembered that off the top of my head. That was like 55 episodes ago. Um, I did write that down. I also revisited uh, my Teaswater, air quotes, DK from Blacker Yarns. And, and my new yarn for exploration was Wool and Spun uh, High Side Farm Double Knit, uh, which I got from Northern Yarn. Uh, my hand spun was roving from Adelaide Walker, and I've never spun with Teaswater before. But I know you shouldn't sort of spin massum too tightly so I thought that the same would apply to teaswater so I pre-drafted the roving quite a lot and it did allow me to, to pre-draft it quite thin um, and I spun short draw uh, and I did find it was hard to get balanced singles um, but then maybe that's just because it you know, I'm, I am somebody who is quite conscious of putting a lot of spin in their yarn usually and I was really trying to do the opposite there so it you know it's possibly because of that and then I I loosely two-plied it and I was pretty pleased with that resulting yarn it was really soft whisper soft a sort of creamy golden color uh, and I knit one into a hexagon from my polygon blanket by Tinkan Knits as I did with the high side teaswater from northern yarn that was a a woolen spun, a much higher twist than my hand spun. A really nice DK which felt dense and a bit lanoliny in the squish and it made lovely popping garter. Like, knit very smoothly but there is that lovely halo as well. 
And as I said, I revisited my chopped ginger, Aaron Tees water. I washed, blocked and wore this swatch for probably about the fourth or fifth time in its life. Uh, and again, I'll put a link to my Ravelry review um, in the show notes, but you can also hear about it in that episode 50. Uh, and this yarn was like golden, silken yarn. It was very soft and drapey. Um, the halo has become slightly more pronounced over time but so soft against my face and worn at my shoulder and the small of my back it was almost invisible uh, in terms of uh, feeling but there was a slight and initial tingle at the neck um, one thing that surprised me every time I wash this swatch is that in the water it almost goes like a plant fibre yarn it tightens up and it feel you think you've done something dreadful to it. The first time it happened, I was like, oh, what, what have I done? But then it just blocks out as normal and softens again. It's very, very interesting. I also have a swatch in the blacker DK. I never liked this yarn as a DK um, because it never knit that gauge. And, um, you know, I know that blacker yarns, double knits tend to be more like a light worsted, but this was a very lean lean yarn so it was more of a four ply really um, but it's a very fine yarn and on washing, blocking, wearing again, it I love how it keeps its block and how incredibly soft that halo is it's one swatch that I tend to touch, have touched quite a lot um, I tend to use the tips of my fingers and sort of, you know quotes, read, <laughs> read it like braille almost um, and it's you know, the halo on that is softer than any of the other Teeswater yarns that I've used, I think. Through my exploration and re-adventuring um, of swatches, what's struck me most about Teeswater, that like Wensdale, which is one of my favourite wools, um, it's very like that, but there's a heavier silkiness to Teeswater, even in those lighter yarns. Um, which is just lovely and I really do want to make a garment in this yarn if I can find a spin that I think uh, would sort of show off that really heavy silkenness. Um, of course chopped ginger no longer trading because Sarian has moved back to um, the States but that would have been incredible for a sweater. Um, also wearing these swatches has been a joy and I've loved comparing my four different Teeswater swatches and the colours, the natural colours which go from sort of milk to um, golden yellow cream colours, just incredible but never mind what I think what about what you thought our wonderful explorers this month um, our reviewers were Drainold, Sando, Sin Spins, Emily AO, Only Dreaming, Fine Fetal Fibres, Silver Spring Knits, Becky IP, Del B, MS Knit and Stitch, Seabead Sarah, Rebecca 72 Jones, Madame Maigret, Miss Goggins, Think and Knit Green, Dry Gardening, and Lisa Magritte. 17 wool reviewers, wool explorers. Three were using Hunting Hall Northumberland Teeswater, which is organic, available in both double knit and four ply. Three were using blacker uh, double knit Teeswater. Three were using black bat rare breeds. Um, three were using high side farm yarn 
from uh, Northern Yarn. It's a wool and spun double knit. Uh, one was using Gam Farm. One was using Creolean Designs Teaswater. That's from Etsy. And then we had some spinners as well. And the majority of the wool being explored this time was in a double knit weight. In terms of hooks and needle sizes, the sort of preferred size was 3.75 or 4 millimeter, but you went as low as 2.75 millimeter and as high as 4.5 millimeter in your needles and hooks, you wool explorers. We're going to apologise right now for clicking. I'm not a fan of listening to Radio 4 or Radio Scotland and hearing people typing and people clicking away, but uh, (laughs) on the desk setup that I have at the moment, there may be the odd click. So let's get right on to what our wool explorers thought of the tease water. So the hand squish grab, first up we had dry gardening and she was using blacker double knit and she said, the ball feels soft and airy when squished, fine delicate hairs protrude from the yarn and the surface of the yarn and the ball overall appears shiny, glossy and quite luxurious. Think and Knit Green was using High Side Farm uh, yarn from Northern Yarn and she said quite hairy, not overly bouncy or spongy, a strong yarn yet soft and shows a silky sheen in the daylight. And the High Side Farm is woolen spun and the blacker that I just mentioned before is worsted spun. And if you're interested in the difference between woolen spun and worsted spun, there has been a bit of a chat in the Knit British Ravelry group, but I will try and remember to put a link in the show notes to a really good resource about the difference between woolen spun and worsted spun mill yarns. And um, that was by Sue Blacker for November a couple of years ago. And I know I've shared that here before, but I'll, I'll post it again. Miss Goggins, Katie, welcome. I think this is your first wool exploration. And you say that you were using Gam Farm worsted spun tease water. Uh, In the ball, it felt quite soft yet dry with a crisp feel and the slightest hint of a prickle when holding it to my face. A lovely sheepy scent. The yarn is is a loosely spun three-ply. Having knit with Wednesday a long while before, I note that the tease water has less luster, but there's still a sheen, uh, perhaps a bit more than BFL. Madame Maigret, another using High Side Farm, and she says the cake was springy with an incredible sheepy smell. It had crunch and a scritchy feeling against the skin. Quite grippy when casting on with wooden needles, but once the lanolin hit the needles, it eased up. Rebecca 72 Jones was using blacker tease water. She said the hand squish grab was very soft and smooth, luxurious, lovely luster. Initial thoughts on use would be for something for a baby or a scarf. Seaweed Sarah said the squish in the ball is silky and almost greasy but not in a negative way. She was using Blackback Rare Breeds. It's a clotted cream colour, quite yellow. It's not a squishy, plump looking yarn and superficially looks a bit like a five ply or a sport weight. Not much of a halo but it's glossy in appearance and catches the light. I think texture would work well so shawls and light lacy garments. Ms. Knit and Stitch, she's using Hunting Hall tease water and she says there's a real sheen and luster to the yarn. The fibres have a long staple and there's a slight halo to the yarn. The ball is surprisingly squishy, fairly soft with the slightest prickle. 
Del B, another using Highside Farms from Northern Yarn, she said, The wool was firm in the cake and I thought it would knit quite coarse and prickly. It looked dingy and uninspiring cream colour, but on knitting it came to life. There are pearly qualities. It's very smooth to knit with. The wool did not split and the more I worked with it, the more I loved it. Becky IP, another using Black Bat Rare Breeds, she said shiny, smooth, strong and a slight cheapy smell, no guard hairs and the label says luster and I would agree. A Silver Spring Knit, she was using the Blacker Tees Water, she says this feels so bouncy in the skein, it has a luster that makes me think of pearls and you can see a delicate halo, I want to keep petting it. Fine Fettle Fibre, she was using a hand-spun yarn from Creolian on Etsy. I hope I'm saying that right. It's C-R-E-A-L-I-E-N. She said, soft and silky smooth, very pleasant to handle, dense singles. So she's using a singles yarn. Only Dreaming uh, was using Hunting Hall and she said, beautifully soft, light, lustrous, delicate looking, but not fragile. I love that. Delicate looking, but not fragile. You see, wool... It will always surprise you and there are always great uh, definitions. Emily A.O. was using Blackback Rare Breeds and she said substantial and firm but incredibly soft and squishy. Oh, I can't speak. Substantial and firm but incredibly soft and squishy in the hand. Warm ivory in the undyed state with a beautiful luster and shine and a lovely sheepy smell. Uh, Lisa Magritte says, lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> Everything about this wool is a joy. From the lovely email from Hunting Hall about the flock and the provenance of the wool to the feel of the wool as I worked with it. Lots of people just start and talk about in the hand squish grab can't seem to wait to get cast cast on um madame maigre was casting on in the hand squish grab as well that's really interesting i like that you couldn't wait <laughs> sin spins she was um hand spinning a double knit and she said the locks were beautiful white shiny and soft combing them was quite difficult because the ringlets were so narrow and were a bit cotted uh, at the butt end it was hard to get them uh, caught in the tines of the cones they just wanted to slip by the spinning was much easier than i anticipated hand spinning is incredible i would have liked to have tried some locks myself uh, sando she hand spun a four ply yarn and the hand squish grab was silky shiny and lustrous drain old she uh, was spinning with British Teas Water and also American Teas Water. And so I've got these two side by side. So the British Teas Water, she hand spun uh, some fibre from Witchwood on Etsy. She says, silky lustrous, lots of strong halo, firm when squeezed, slight prickle. And she thought that that was best suited to tapestry and outerwear. Her US Teas Water, she said, firm, big halo, quite indistinguishable from the UK Teas Water. She tried um, some different preparations as well and thought the same tapestry outerwear or uh, wearing this in less sensitive areas was the best use of the American teas water. Observations whilst swatching then. In the hand, dry gardening said her blacker DK felt very silky smooth and overall the delicate hairs felt cloud-like um, and were more visual than tactile. She said the yarn also felt special and luxurious. It exuded elegance. She said it was not elastic in nature, uh, but stitches were easily manipulated. 
on the needles which is great and she said her swatch felt supple smooth and um, when she squeezed the swatch it felt spongy she's perhaps because of the stitch structure um, and the strength of of the yarn and she said there was an overall shine on the surface of the swatch which was significant good stitch definition despite the fuzzy halo Miss Goggins said that she uses bamboo needles to swatch her polygon. She's she's doing the polygons too, my polygon sister. And she said the yarn was smooth and was a pleasure to knit with. At this stage, I thought the wool would be suited to most things, garments, accessories, potentially even bed socks, because because of her experience with Wensdale, she thought that the teaswater would have a a similar handle so it would create a robust fabric unlikely to bobble she says the garter stitch of the polygon swatch looked lovely in the tease water with glints of sheen on the garter edges madame maigret said the yarn has a greasy oily feeling from the lanolin which made her hands lovely and soft during swatching the fabric was silky smooth but there was also a rustic prickle against the cheek uh, and it wasn't an unpleasant feeling Rebecca 72 Jones, she was using the blacker and she said the yarn was smooth over the needles and felt very soft in the hand. Good strength in the yarn when it twanged, it did not break. It was a joy to knit with, the luster was lovely and it had a nice halo. I love that twanged. And you do get a twang with worsted spun yarn. It isn't happy to break easily and it does make that wonderful thwang noise. Seaweed Sarah uh, with her black bat rare breed. Uh, she's fine, absolutely beautiful. It glides through the fingers and behaves impeccably and she used a variety of stitches to test it out um, to play with uh, stitch patterns. Great idea. Ms Knit and Stitch, she said the yarn flowed nicely through her fingers and was not splitty. This is the Hunting Hall Organic Teas Water. She said the fabric had quite a halo to it and therefore didn't show the lace pattern as crisply as she'd usually like, but the cables that she did had lovely definition and the fabric has a gorgeous sheen. Del B, using the high side uh, farm from Northern Yarn, the wool felt creamy and it had a beautiful, subtle luster on the garter ridges of her log cabin swatch. Surprisingly soft and drapey with a definite fuzzy halo. Becky IP said uh, that it was smooth through her hands and lovely to work with. Silver Spring Knit uh, with the blacker said, very nice to work with, slid through my hands. Great stitch definition in garter and stockinette. That's wonderful to hear. And she said, I think it would be good for lace, but she ran out of time. And she said, it felt properly like wool as I worked with it, but not lanolin-y. Felt properly like wool. I love that. Because we do know that there are some yarns out there that are made of wool that don't necessarily feel like wooly wool. <laughs> uh, high twist merino. Doesn't feel much like wool to me. It feels a bit cottony. For those who like that sort of thing, that is the sort of thing they like. Um, but I like a proper woolly wool like Nora does. Judith, fine fetal fibres. She said, this is easy to knit, not inclined to split. Bit of a fuzzy halo, but no shedding. Enjoyed the slickly feel of it, but it made quite a dense fabric. Uh, would be warm and cosy, but quite heavy. And a project of any size would use a lot of yarn. I wonder if that's because you're using a singles yarn possibly that's making it a denser a denser knit only dreaming uh, said in the swatching that the yarn was very light and soft flowed beautifully and was a pleasure to knit emily ao said the wool felt lovely in my hands but i found the yarn a little 
inclined to split as I was crocheting, although over the course of a couple of swatches I got better at handling it, and that was the Black Battery Breeds yarn. Lisa Marguerite, another crochetrix, she said the yarn has a natural lustre and a slight halo, and it flowed through my fingers. Sin Spins, with her handspun dub on it, she found the swatching was not quite as easy um, because the fibres uh, in the raised halo were, were long and caught into the twist at both ends of her yarn. She said the, the knitting needles would catch on them and it became irritating. She said it reminded me of silk. The yarn doesn't have any bounce or give, so I skipped um, trying to make cables. It's lively though, so I knew it would open up in lace pattern. Sandoz four ply handspun she said slippy slidey stitches making crumpled lace <laughs> that's a nice little description of your observances whilst swatching Drainol's uh, British tease water she says it has a halo like Shirley Temple hair the halo and yarn did not diminish uh, the stitch definition but caused firmly interlocked stitches um, and she said that was difficult to unknit singles or fix mistakes um, of the American tease water, she, her singles, she said the big, um, quotes, pearl um, created a big halo. I think in the UK we say pirl, P-I-R-L, which is the sort of openness of, of the crimp, of the ringlets. Um, I'm assuming that's the same thing. Um, she said uh, stiff fibres uh, of the yarn meant a tendency for yarn overs to meld into the adjacent stitches. Off to the wash block and wear uh, we go and dry gardening soaked her swatch which featured the lotus pattern from Barbara G. Walker's second treasury of knitting patterns uh, in very warm water for two hours and blocked it out and she said stunning beauty with elegant amazing drape I wore directly against my chest whilst engaged in the usual daily routine. Uh, this yarn is next to the skin soft, smooshy, comfy and warming with zero prickle after a full day of wear. That is a great wear test. Thank you, dry gardening. Uh, think knit in green after the wash. She said it's softer and more supple, but not limp. I'd love to know how how it felt to wear think and knit green. That would be good, good to know too. Uh, Miss Goggins said she washed hers with, um, with Mitchell's of Bradford Woolly Wash. Uh, swatch did feel like it had softened with washing. Wore the swatch on my shoulder for the majority of a day. As soon as I put it on my shoulder, I could barely feel a thing and I didn't notice the swatch for the rest of the day. It was only at the end of the day I removed the swatch that I noticed the difference due to the warmth that it had provided. Madame Maigret washed her swatch in lukewarm water with Ucelan and left it to dry overnight. She said the swatch grew slightly but retained its shape. It had softened from its original shape and lost its greasy feel. She popped it in her bra strap for a day and hardly noticed it was there except for the time when she had her bag on her shoulder and even then it wasn't unpleasant and felt warm and cosy. Rebecca served to Jones with her blacker uh, swatch. She left soaking overnight in cold water and soak. She said the stitch definition was fantastic. Her vivid square looked so pretty. It had bloomed and had a lovely luster. Soft to the touch. She wore it under her bra strap, but her shoulder noticed its absence when removed. Now that's interesting. Lots of people saying it's a warm wool. Um, that's good. Uh, seaweed Sarah hand washed hers in warm water using Romney Marsh Woolly Wash and then rinsed it in cold water. 
She blocked it fairly aggressively and to open up the lace pattern uh, and stretched it uh, to 8.5 inches square. Um, she says that might have been a bit too aggressive, but the, the block stayed put. She wore it under her bra strap and also tucked into the waistband of her jeans. She said there was a gentle prickle to begin with, but then she completely forgot that it was there and it nearly ended up in the loo. Good grief. Miss Knit and Stitch, she soaked her swatch for 20 minutes in warm water in Eucelan and then blocked it out for 24 hours. She said the halo was more pronounced and the fabric had a little less prickle. I wore it under my bra strap for a day and quickly forgot it was there. The swatch held its form and it felt like there was real st- stability to the fabric without losing delicacy and sheen. Fantastic. Del B, uh, she uh, washed hers in lukewarm water and... She didn't aggressively block it and the logs of the cabin blocked beautifully straight. Becky IP with her black bat rare breed, she soaked hers for 30 minutes in Eucelan and blocked it to the pattern size of 17.5 centimetre square. Uh, she is doing the Berlin squares by Kate Davies. She said the lace element of the pattern looks as lovely as the stocking stitch and garter stitch. Wore it under my shirt for a day. So soft and warm. Didn't notice it as I went about my day. Silver Spring Knit said the first blocking was in soak and cold water. The swatch grew ever so slightly. Uh, The fabric bloomed but did not expand. I wore it under my bra strap and in the waistband and kept forgetting it was there. Fine Fetal Fibres soaked her uh, singles yarn swatch in uh, lukewarm water for an hour blocked it firmly no sign of felting or pilling it retains its sheen and slight fluffy appearance good stitch definition especially in the lace but okay in moss stitch and stockingette stitch too twisted stitches were a wee bit underwhelming but she says she should have got off her chair found a cable needle and done some proper cables Love that. Owning it. (laughs) Emily A.O. Now, she had done a couple of different swatches. She washed her samples in Eucelan before blocking. And she said that the swatches really softened with washing and produced a gorgeous stitch definition. Um, They blocked very easily, retained their structure, lovely halo, no signs of wear or pilling. I have fairly sensitive skin and did the bra strap test for most of the time. I was completely unaware of wearing the swatches. On infrequent occasions, I was aware of a slight bristle, but not abrasive or uncomfortable and itchy, and it was reduced each time I washed and blocked the samples. Lisa Marguerite hand-washed her uh, crocheted uh, sample in hand-warm water and no soap and blocked it 10 inches square. She said once dried, it shrunk back to a slightly larger than cast off size she tucked it in her bra strap and marveled at how soft it was she says i didn't notice it was there and later in the day switched it next to the stomach and then inside the sock when changing position again i could she could feel how warm it had made the area she had been wearing it since spin said there were no changes to speak of in the wash block and wear except for an increase in the halo at sando she soaked her uh Handspun for ply swatch in Eucelan and dried it on a towel. No reduction in size, more drape. The shine is incredible. Wore on my belly, no problem despite the warm weather. Drain Alt, she washed her uh, UK Tees Water swatch in Eucelan per the label's instructions. She said it wore 
uh, like tiny springs being compressed against my chest skin. Uh, some same size post block and some slight uh, increase into the halo. And she says the same of the American tea's water, like tiny springs being compressed against her chest. Dry gardening uh, did her wash block and wear test too and as always she gets a gold star for um, putting her swatch to the test, really putting her swatch to the test. She put it in a top loading washing machine reg- with the regular load of laundry items, usual laundry detergent, hot water wash, 19 minutes agitation, two cold water rinses, tumble dry, no heat for approximately one hour. Post second wash, the swatch had been 12 inches by uh, 5.125 inches. She said the distortion in the machine resulted in a 14% increase in the width and a 50% decrease in the length. The swatch changed significantly shape-wise by felting in the second wash. The stitch pattern... the stitch pattern considerably blurred, uh, but still visible somewhat. Most holes in the lace pattern remain visible, although not tightened up. The felted swatch has a still a great shine, great drape, and very, very soft texture. This is what wool exploration is all about. Really, really putting your swatch to the test. Miss Goggins, her second wash was the same as the first, but she says, oh, now this is where the story turns sad. Oh, gosh, listeners, I think we need a hanky here. She says, I decided to... Oh, no, hang on a minute. We need to have some music. She says, I decided to do the second road test with the swatch in the waistband of my jeans. That day, I was going to do a newt survey in the morning so maybe not a wise choice of placement for the swatch. Then after that, I stopped at a motorway services to use the facilities. When returning to my office, I realised the swatch had disappeared. Either the swatch ended up down the service station toilet, or it fell into a pond, and there is now a very well-dressed newt out there. I'm hoping the latter. Although I didn't give the swatch a full day's road test, the fact that I didn't notice it had gone is a testament to the tea's water softness. Oh, dear. Oh, Katie. Oh, that's so sad. That's dreadfully sad. Dear. Oh, I'm not laughing at the fact that you lost it or just thinking about that well-dressed tea's water clad newt. (laughs) Madame Maigret with her high side farm swatch she did the second wash block and wear in warmer water with Mitchell's wool fat soap this time I scrubbed it and rubbed it together vigorously and stretched it out and twisted it while wet oh another one to share the most vigorous wool explanation um, star this this episode she said it sprung back into shape and looked identical to the original this wash softened it even more and I wore it under my bra this time didn't feel it at all I rubbed it on our wool carpet to build a bit of friction and it hasn't pilled at all this stuff is indestructible that's incredible what lengths to go to Rebecca 72 Jones um, did her second wash block and wear test in the machine on the wool cycle with a little soak. She said, I was so nervous in putting it in the machine and initially um, I was worried when it came out. I was concerned it had shrunk, but it actually responded to a good blocking. It seemed softer. Stitch definition, still great and gentle. Uh, a gentle flowing drape uh, stood up well to general handling of over two weeks of just being around. 
Seaweed Sarah repeated her hand wash treatment, but more roughly this time, and wrung it out. The result is more of a halo, and she thinks the fibres have plumped up a little more. Once more, it blocked the same dimensions. It's lost a little of the sleekness that it had, and it's developed a little bit more fuzz, but no pilling and great stitch definition. Ms. Knit and Stitch, she said very little change at all after the second wash, perhaps an increase in halo. Gauge remained the same and the fabric had the same sheen. Uh, Becky IP uh, soaked hers in Eucelan for 30 minutes, then blocked 16 centimetres square. Softer again, she says. Wore it on the hip for a day and the swatch kept its shape well and only needs a light press to get back into shape. Uh, Silver Spring Knits, second blocking, was running it under hot water and hand agitating it. Left to dry, no pins, no change in size. Uh, Fine Fidal Fibres gave the swatch a good rub, but despite the spinner's warning of beware of felting, this did not happen. Swatch size back to 24cm by 25cm. Now this is interesting because I often find that singles pill and felt the most because they're not uh you know they're not a, a so tightly spun or balanced plied and they can really really felt but as we've heard that teas water can be resistant to felting perhaps not when you're doing the dry gardening way <laughs> but it's really interesting to hear to hear that um the singles didn't felt uh only dreaming she soaked hers in warm water rubbed a little hand wash liquid worn again with the similar results from from before emily ao again she said they retain the shape the size and the structures of the initial swatches perfectly lisa marguerite said she followed the same hand washing with no soap and blocked with pins as before and she said the second test the same as the first in terms of placement of the swatch the swatch was softer again after the second blocking since spin says there was no change to speak of in the second wash that she could see but there was an increase in halo uh, drain all uk tees water she washed it again as per the label she felt the same um feeling against her chest like it was little springs but did not notice it against her hip and there was not much increase in the halo the US tees water she said there was a little more um, halo but no difference in feel and no pilling did we have anyone who did a third wash block and wear let's see only dreaming did a third wash block and wear she's a disaster washed in the washing machine on the wool wash 30 degrees plus 800 rpm swatch has felted and shrunk ah that is disappointing only dreaming what a shame i wonder if you put it in with a normal load or perhaps on its own i don't know i have found that's the way the way in which my first lush went uh, was in the washing machine on its own on the 30 degree wash at a low spin i will quite happily wash woolens in the washing machine but now I have learned to put them in on a full wash (laughs) because if it's got too much room in that big drum perhaps that's that's definitely the way I can't don't know that because you haven't said that but that's that was the way that my my first lush went uh sadly or perhaps it was a teaswater that was very susceptible to felting um 
you know, I don't know. It's uh, It was uh, the Hunting Hall Organic. That's uh, a woolen spun. Perhaps the spin has something to do with it. Is worsted spun more resistant to felting than woolen spun? Who knows? I might look into that. Uh, Emily A.O., she just kept on wash blocking wearing too and she said uh, improvement on all fronts distinction of stitch softness uh, and a halo without any signs of pilling that is incredible so finally I asked our intrepid wool explorers what were your thoughts uh, post explanation and what do you think this yarn would be good for dry gardening said very nice to work with smooth and silky uh, even with the short fine hairs, the shininess of the yarn added to the enjoyment uh, of the process of swatching with it, um, blocked very easily and beautifully, soft, luxurious, special, elegant and strong. Love that. Uh, Thinking it in green said the pearly shine of this drapey fabric shows texture well. Miss Goggins said I only knitted a garter stitch swatch with it but feel it would be well suited to lace knitting, plain stockinette, potentially cables. Again, suitable for most knitted items including baby items, blankets, garments due to its softness and I would happily knit with this yarn again. Madame Maigret, I absolutely love this yarn, uppercase all the way. Uh, from an incredible smell to the unctuous joy of knitting with it, it is durable, blooms beautifully, holds its shape, superb stitch definition and glorious halo, and it is warm, so very warm. Perfect for garments, jumpers, cardigans, hats, gloves, even socks, as it is a hardy yarn. I will definitely buy a sweater quantity of this yarn. Rebecca 72 Jones said, I enjoyed this one so much that I did two swatches. It produces a beautiful drapey fabric with a real sheen. It blocks superbly. I love the effect of the textured swatches. I think it works better with textured stitches. Anything requiring drape, texture, lace, shawls and lacy garments. Seaweed Sarah said we'd work beautifully in a blend with something plumper and squishy to give it sheen and silkiness. I know that Wensadale gets used a lot like that, but I'm not aware of many teas water blends. After this, I must go and research some. Mills Knit and Stitch says I really enjoyed knitting with this yarn. The beautiful sheen and delicate stitches would look fantastic in a baby cardigan. I also think it would lend itself to christening or wedding shawls. Del B said, I love knitting with this glorious wool. It's a complete surprise. As looking at the wound cake, it appeared coarse like soft twine, but knitted up in garter soft, soft and creamy with definite pearly shine. I would definitely knit a garment in this. And she says, my favourite so far. This is wonderful. Becky IP said, I really enjoyed working with this. It is my favourite so far and a bonus as I have family connections to Teesside. I would absolutely wear this against my skin and thinking of a lovely squishy garter stitch shawl or jumper. Silver Spring Knit said, another lovely winner. I would use this next to the skin if I could get it easily. I was able to get hold of... Blacker breeds for this, as I did not find any spun tees water in the States, but did find some on Etsy later. I think it would make something uh, with drape like a shawl, if I could get enough of it. And thinking about a pair of Martina Bems, tough and toasty, emits for the remainder. 
fine fetal fibre said, I liked this yarn a lot. It would be interesting to knit with a commercial spun, plied 100% teaswater yarn as opposed to the, the singles that um, Judith was using. Um, but they found it hard to source except in a blend, hence the hand spun from the Netherlands via Etsy. Uh, I was particularly taken with the lace section of my swatch and thought a shawl or possibly a cardigan might work. But I was concerned about the weight of a project of any size. Not sure how much of this was the result of the type of yarn preparation I was working with and how much is the nature of this breed yarn. Well, I think from the um, exploration here that it's possibly down to the yarn that you're using. And I hope that you might seek out now some Northumberland, because there is. Uh, Judith is in Felton in Northumberland, so maybe you can get your hands on some of the Hunting Hall organic teas water. Um, which sounds like it might be very local to you indeed. Only Dreaming said, I love this yarn and I will knit another blanket square from it soon. So light and delicate feeling and looking, but with an underlying strength and integrity. Emily A.O. I absolutely love the Teeswater yarn. I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but it surpassed my expectations and my hopes, she says, for my closest to home breed in every respect. I think it's incredibly versatile. Both lacy and textured stitches worked well, so it could be used for a huge variety of projects. Uh, that is incredible. Lisa Marguerite is another favourite for me, especially because it's an organic yarn. She was using the hunting hall. Uh, the delicate nature of the four-ply makes me think a gorgeous lacy hap or shawl. Definitely one I'd use again. Since Spin says the fibre just seems unnatural for lace, shawls, scarves and sweaters. Socknitters should try as it's quite strong and spinners can get a lot of variety out of these long curls. Sando said, I just loved the process of making this yarn and knitting it up. I flick carded the beautiful long curly locks into angel hair, then spun worsted from the flicked locks. I can't stop holding the swatch um, and looking at it to see the shine and soft fuzz like a baby's head. I'd happily knit a shawl from this yarn. Uh, Drainold, with her, uh, both her UK and US tees water, she said, what you knit is what you get. But would she use it again? She said she would. She said the UK teaswater, the um, the pearl is very large in amplitude and tends to emerge in fine piles, uh, which distorts lace uh, and smaller stitches if loosely knit and causes halo. With the US teaswater, she said the dyes were spectacular and again found the same issue with the large uh, pearl of the teaswater curls causing halo she still thinks that um tapestry upholstery uh, bags totes wearable art are more inclined to the, the uk and the us tees water that she spun with but it's really interesting because we do have a mixture here of people who are saying it is absolutely soft enough to wear next to the skin so this is fantastic again this is what wool exploration is all about but i am really really happy that for the most part that teeswater has got a big thumbs up from our wool explorers and that for some of you it's really surprised you i love how, how um, some were really unconvinced by by it in yarn form that it might not soften up and then you know had been totally bowled over by the softness and the drape and the slinkiness of it 
absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, my intrepid yarn explorers. And thank you at home if you have been uh, swatching with Teaswater and if you took part in the chat in the Ravelry group. Uh, next month is Romney and the cast-off deadline for getting your reviews onto the Google form is 11th of June. And then we have the Dorset Breeds and your cast-off deadline for these is the 13th of July. Related to Dorset exploration, I want to tell you about a yarn that I know will be high on your shopping lists. TJ Frog has launched two rare breed Dorset yarns, Dorset Down and Dorset Horn. The Dorset Down is, is an iron weight and it's available in natural and three beautiful dyed shades uh, in three different weights, 25 grams, 50 grams and 100 grams. And Shell is the Dorset Horn, which is a light DK. It's in the same three sizes, although the mini skein is 20 grams. Uh, there's two dyed shades and a natural. And the dyed shades of all of these um, new yarns are inspired by the uh, flowers uh, and plants on Tanya's Croft in Sky. Um, I saw these yarns at Edinburgh Yarn Festival and the the colours of shell um, totally reminded me of the suffragette flag with the natural and the purple and the green. So you know that I bought those ones. <laughs> Tanya is originally from Dorset, so I really know how much it means to her to use wool from the area's local breeds, and particularly as they're a rare breed as well. Um, Tanya has used Paul Dorset and Hebridean in her first yarn, which is limestone, which I think you can still get on her website too. Beautiful um, grey colour, natural grey colour. Um, but it's lovely to see these two single breed editions and in such glorious colours as well as in the naturals as well. And you can find out more at tjfrog.co.uk forward slash wool. And you can listen to Tanya's wonderful audio podcast, TJ Frog. She is such a lovely podcast host, so warm, so genuine and so passionate about wool and craft. And she is so lovely that she has given us a 25 gram skein of the Dorset Down and a 20 gram skein of the Dorset Horn to give away. So wool explorers, you can be in with a chance of winning a very swatchable sized skein of Dorset Breed Wool for our future wool exploration. So as ever, head on over to the Ravelry group to find out how you can win um, a skein of Dorset yarn and do follow the rules. And thank you so much to the lovely Tanya, not only for um, giving us this lovely yarn as a giveaway, but for championing local rare breed wool. That's it for this episode. Thank you for uh, joining me and thank you for all your interactions and sharing online. I very much appreciate that. Um, thank you also to the four people, that's four people, who wrote to me this month and asked if I'd like a hand writing a book. Something which I must have alluded to or said last time that has been taken uh, literally or literary. <laughs> thank you. Um, but at the moment, that's definitely a don't call us, we'll call you kind of a situation. Um, I have no firm plans for writing a book 
nor the time or the inclination at the moment. Um, if that is on a to-do list, it is at the very bottom of the to-do list. So uh, while I'm very grateful for the offer, um, no offers are, are being sought uh, at the moment. <laughs> but many thanks though. Um, until next time, Willie Chums, I wish you fine fettle. Uh, take good care. Um, before I go, I have to say um, how sad and sorry I was to hear about the passing of Lizzie Simmons, who some of you might remember from episode 30. She was very much involved with Shetland Textiles, Shetland Wool. She worked at Jimison's of Shetland. She was involved with Primakers. She was an incredible and dedicated member of groups like the Shetland Textile Museum and she um, taught at Shetland Wool Week and she was somebody who when you met her she was always in fine fettle and she always had a smile on her face and time to chat and she will be very sadly missed and I can bye for now take care of that throat you're a big singing star now remember this California